ninth section of the aeroplane in war by claude graham white and harry harper this librivox recording is in the public domain development of all-weather war aeroplanes one flights in thirty-five mile an hour winds arguments of skeptics what the great contests of nineteen eleven proved reference has been made to the fact that as soon as engines became reliable and airmen gained confidence winds of an appreciable velocity were successfully combated but even now despite the strides which the aeroplane is making towards becoming an all-weather machine those who belittle it from the military point of view and uphold an official policy of inactivity are found ready to argue that the heavier-than-air machine is still purely a fine weather craft such an attitude is governed not so much by deep-rooted conservatism as by ignorance the fact is that the wind-flying capabilities of an aeroplane have been improved to an altogether remarkable extent so far as an average can be struck it may be said that at the present time a war machine can be operated and can carry out useful work in a wind blowing at the rate of from thirty to thirty-five miles an hour higher winds are as has been said occasionally combated but this represents approximately the maximum for practical purposes today some military critics when such facts as these are adduced raise the point that such airworthiness as this is not sufficient the complications of war are already so great they declare that a commander-in-chief is not justified in increasing his responsibilities by saddling himself with a squadron of aeroplanes when the machines will be inoperative should a high wind spring up enthusiasts do not seem to realize this point a military critic has observed in regard to the general question of aeroplane reliability a commander of troops would almost be more hampered than helped by an air service were it only possible to use it one day and then not the next and so on he would rely upon it you see and then it would fail him just at some critical moment i know it may be said in answer to this that even if only occasional use can be made of aeroplanes it is worth while to equip an army with them because if they succeed in their object once in six times they may alter the whole course of a battle but it must be remembered that a very considerable organization has to be built up if an aeroplane service is to be of any real use the already huge impedimenta of an army has to be added to and this alone is a very serious point on account of the unreliability of the air service also cavalry scouts and other scouting agencies have to be employed just as usual the position is really a somewhat unsatisfactory one for days on end if the weather is bad the aeroplanes may be inoperative 
this view is of course an unduly pessimistic one having regard to the capabilities of present type aeroplanes the occasions upon which war machines would be windbound would be very rare it is reliably estimated in fact that aeroplane scouts would be able to render good service on eighty per cent of the days of the year it might happen that a boisterous wind rising in the morning would prevent the air scouts from working at midday or during the afternoon but even during a generally unfavourable spell of weather a shrewd commander of aeroplanes should be able to snatch an hour's lull in the wind probably in the early morning or evening and get his machines to work either a morning or evening calm during a period of gusty winds is generally experienced and in any such lull so rapid is their work the aeroplane should be able to acquire what information is necessary and be back again at headquarters before any hazardous rising of the wind takes place in this way it should be possible to manipulate the service even with existing machines so as to make it of practical value upon almost every day of a campaign and the fact that one hour's work would probably be sufficient for a reconnoitering flight is the important factor of the situation to be remembered the point to be made in this connection is this those who have studied the progress of aeroplaning and realized the wonderful strides which have recently been made see quite clearly that even under unfavorable conditions a war machine should be able to give a very good account of itself this fact will not be admitted however by those who still maintain the attitude that the aeroplane is a fair-weather machine and will never be anything else their prejudice will not permit them to read as they should the lessons of recent events they magnify failures and ignore successes for such a negative policy there was at first some excuse although scepticism at the dawn of a new industry is the reverse of helpful when aeroplanes were in their crudest stage they provided plenty of material for the cynic in those days pilots spent most of their time in their hangars tuning up obstinate engines and it was a case as one humorous pioneer put it of flying a mile a month the prevailing spirit of scepticism was well revealed in the attitude taken up by many people in connection with the prize of ten thousand pounds offered by the daily mail for the flight from london to manchester to imagine that such a feat would be accomplished was regarded as ridiculous and yet practically at the first attempt the flight was made then came the second ten thousand pound prize by the generous and far-seeing proprietors of the daily mail this time for a thousand miles aerial tour around great britain in which rules were introduced to make it incumbent upon pilots to complete the whole course upon one machine here was a leap indeed from one hundred and eighty miles to one thousand could it be done could such a reliable aeroplane be found these were the questions asked and in this connection one significant fact may be mentioned it was this even some of the experts men thoroughly well acquainted with the industry were doubtful as to whether this prize would be won they knew of course what giant strides were being made but still so severe was the ordeal they had their doubts what a triumph this great contest was for the aeroplane will be fresh in any reader's memory flying neck and neck around the one thousand ten miles course beaumont and vedrin astonished the world by the certainty of their aerial progress calculations as to when the race would finish had been made beforehand 
reckoning the very highest speeds it would be possible to attain and assuming an entire absence of mechanical troubles it was estimated that the winner would complete the circuit at a certain hour on a specified morning and the winner beaumont was only four hours longer in completing the course than the most favourable estimate had allowed him even the most enthusiastic supporters of the aeroplane were astonished by this feat in flying which was spread out over several days and involved aerial journeys over most difficult country beaumont and vetrin made light of every adverse condition in scotland they combated winds so violent that their machines danced and plunged in the air and occasionally side-slipped for many feet under the treacherous impulses of unexpected gusts but when they were begged to wait a while and give the weather an opportunity of improving these two champions resolutely took their seats in their monoplanes and flew on the lesson from the military point of view was overwhelmingly important not only did these two men fly with the regularity and speed of express trains but they both performed their wonderful feats on machines which were unchanged throughout this represented the real progress in previous contests of a similar nature in which long distances have been traversed there had been no restriction at all as to the number of machines used the result had been therefore that makers of aeroplanes naturally anxious to see their representatives win had dotted spare machines all over the route and in one instance the competitor used as many as three aeroplanes before completing one long-distance race the point we are immediately concerned with is this a certain number of days chosen a long time ahead were set apart for this one thousand miles race round great britain and upon these days it was flown beaumont and vedrin proceeded from stage to stage flying to schedule and making light of adverse weather the climatic conditions as has been said were not ideal when the time came to leave edinburgh for instance so powerful a wind was blowing that it was not reckoned even by practical men that the pilots would be able to get away but to the amazement even of officials the two monoplanists soared up and deliberately fought the wind while flying on to the other stopping-places in scotland also both men passed through heavy storms of rain and again contrary to expectation they did not descend but battled on the result was that when this wonderful air-race was at an end both men were justified in describing their monoplanes as all-weather machines what this performance and others have demonstrated is this at the present moment although admittedly experimental the aeroplane is sufficiently well able to combat adverse weather as to make it a highly useful weapon of war two value of high speed when combating a wind constructional difficulties of a hundred mile an hour machine it is unwise to regard the capabilities of the present type aeroplane as representing in any way a limit or a standard of achievement what the machine built to-day can perform the aeroplane of to-morrow will assuredly be able to improve upon and so progress will be recorded until something in the nature of a perfected aircraft is evolved as a matter of fact there is practically no stage in connection with any forms of manufacture when a builder can say here is a machine incapable of improvement take as an example the motor-car the luxurious six-cylindered machine appears to represent what may be termed the last word but small improvements are constantly being made and thoughtful manufacturers still see new avenues of progress 
so it is in regard to the wind-flying capabilities of an aeroplane thirty to thirty-five miles an hour represents as has been said a fair maximum for the strength of wind in which a machine can be navigated at the present time but this will not exist long as a standard improvements in the speed and in the general stability of machines are being made from day to day the result of this progress in manufacture will be that the aeroplane will be navigable in higher and higher winds forty mile an hour winds will before long cease to prevent regular flight and it is the view of eminent designers and builders that it will be possible for the aeroplane to remain aloft in winds blowing at the rate of more than fifty miles an hour it is hoped in fact that machines will eventually be able to live in any wind save such a raging gale as drives big steamships to port already certain definite lines of improvement suggest themselves to the makers of aeroplanes in combating a high wind failing any device to provide an aeroplane with automatic stability high speed is found to be of the greatest aid but there are difficulties in connection with the attaining of high speed as will be shown later an illustration of the value of high speed in overcoming the wind was given at the rams flying meeting in the summer of nineteen ten moraine testing a monoplane fitted with a motor of a hundred horsepower attained a speed of quite eighty miles an hour travelling at this rate he found that he was able to pass close behind other machines despite the rush of wind from their propellers had he been flying a slower machine this backdraft would inevitably have caused him to capsize speed also was what helped beaumont and dadrin when they were fighting adverse winds in the circuit of britain beaumont's monoplane had a speed of a little over sixty miles an hour and that of dadrin was a trifle faster had either of these airmen been piloting a slow-flying biplane he would have been forced to descend seeing that his machine would have become unmanageable in heavy gusts speed therefore is the aim of most manufacturers they see that the aeroplane must if it is to compete commercially with land or sea transit provide a means of locomotion more rapid than any which at present exists and they recognize also that speed offers at any rate at present a solution of the problem of all weather flying but there are as has been hinted difficulties in the way of large increases in speed two hundred miles an hour through the air is frequently cited as the ideal to be aimed at so far with a specially built racing machine a speed of approximately a hundred miles an hour has represented the maximum attained such machines are however more or less freaks the best results obtained with ordinary machines being from sixty five to seventy miles an hour higher speed still might be thought to be merely a question of increasing horsepower but other considerations enter into the question a high-speed machine has it must be remembered to start away from the ground and land again at the end of a flight its actual passage through the air is not the only point to be considered with a racing monoplane for example the small size of its supporting wings and the slight camber upon them necessitate its moving over the ground at a very high speed before it can obtain the necessary lift to get into the air and then comes the question of returning to the ground again these fast machines will only glide at comparatively high speeds a problem arises therefore as to the landing chassis which will withstand the shock of high-speed landings that is to say on anything save perfectly smooth ground apart from the question of the skill of the pilot 
in effecting a safe descent at such high speeds and this is a factor seriously to be reckoned with the running wheels and skids of a machine will not endure the strain of a landing on anything like a rough surface thus were speeds to be pushed say to a hundred and fifty miles an hour under present conditions of flying and with any existing method of building landing mechanism accidents would be likely to happen when airmen came to the point of effecting a descent also to be reckoned with is the question of increasing the structural strength of machines in order to meet the wind pressure of very high speeds three variable speed aeroplane plans for constructing aircraft of this type advantages of such a machine as regards the problem of a fast and yet reliable aeroplane which is an especially important one from the military point of view seeing that machines will need to operate over all sorts of country during a campaign the view is now taken by eminent manufacturers that something in the nature of a variable speed aircraft will need to be devised if this can be evolved it certainly promises a solution of the problem what the question resolves itself into as can be seen is this there are very distinct limits to the rate at which it is practical to move across the ground on preparing to soar and also to the speed at which it is feasible to return again to earth the variable speed machine seems destined to meet these difficulties and makers are busy with plans for the building of aeroplanes of this type the immediate aim is to produce if possible an aeroplane with a maximum speed approaching say a hundred miles an hour and a minimum speed of about thirty miles an hour in this way adequate use would be made of the air as a speed medium and at the same time it would be possible to effect satisfactory landings on fairly rough ground as well as on smooth surfaces for the production of such a variable speed machine several designs have already been prepared but as yet each awaits the ordeal of a practical test one plan for example involves the altering of the angle of incidence of the planes while a machine is in flight the angle would that is to say be made steep for slow flight and flatter when high speed was required another device aims at obtaining variable speed by a process of reefing the planes of a machine this would be done by reducing or rolling up the rear extremities of the plane surfaces according to this system a machine would have its slowest speed when its maximum amount of sustaining surface was in operation and would fly faster as the pilot gradually brought into play the reefing process a third scheme which is suggested deals with the telescoping of the plane ends of a machine thereby reducing the lifting surface of these methods the one most favoured having regard to its practicability is that of slightly altering the angle of the planes and several manufacturers are already busy with experimental machines of this type it appears likely that actual tests will before long be attempted with an aeroplane thus equipped for military work a variable speed machine promises to be exceptionally useful the high speed would be employed in weathering a gusty wind or in moving rapidly to any desired locality when about to carry out a reconnaissance then when a detailed observation was being made the slowest speed would be adopted so as to give the observer plenty of opportunity of studying what lay below him the production 
of a practical machine embodying the principle of variable speeds is now held to be merely a question of time and of careful experiment therefore the promise of the immediate future particularly as regards the military aspect of flying is most hopeful both from the point of view of wind flying and of reliability one by one indeed the objections against the military aeroplane are likely to be overcome until a machine is an accomplished fact which will meet all practical requirements four power plant of aeroplanes fitting two engines to obviate involuntary descents while writing of aeroplane development mention should certainly be made of engines it has been shown already what a wonderful step forward was made with the introduction of the revolving gnome this engine will operate with the reliability of that fitted to a motor-car there are other types of engine now achieving thoroughly good results and they promise to do better in the future from the point of view of propulsion therefore the future of the aeroplane appears assured one great objection of sceptics in regard to the power-plant of aeroplanes has been that should an engine fail a machine is compelled to make an involuntary descent in answer to this criticism advocates of the aeroplane have pointed out that motors are becoming more and more reliable and that such stoppages are already reduced to a minimum it is now seen that it will be possible to prevent involuntary descent when flying across country by equipping aeroplanes with a reserve power plant one of the most interesting experiments in this regard is being carried out by mr horace short the aeronautical engineer of the royal aero club mr short produced in september nineteen eleven a biplane fitted with two gnome engines one placed in front of the machine operated a couple of tractor propellers fitted before the main planes the other installed at the rear actuated a single propeller the machine was designed so that one engine would drive it at a speed of about thirty-six miles an hour while if both were employed its pace would increase to more than fifty miles an hour in actual tests most encouraging results were obtained with this machine and mr short is now perfecting this type of twin engine biplane by equipping an aeroplane with two engines working independently of each other the danger of an involuntary descent on bad ground is obviated should one engine stop the pilot can keep himself in the air with the other in such a machine as this which might be described as a safety aeroplane the weight of the additional engine is of course a consideration but in cases where exceptional reliability is required say for example when a most urgent dispatch has to be taken across country from point to point in military operations a dual engine machine will probably be used consideration of such facts as have been cited in this section show that aeroplanes for military work have an almost unlimited field for improvement therefore any nation which neglects more machines now on the argument that they are unreliable is pursuing an extremely foolish policy if feats such as have been recently accomplished are possible with machines built with wood wire and canvas what would not be achieved with the stronger speedier heavier aeroplanes such as are already being constructed sceptics there are of course who may be found ready to say that the aeroplane will never be made reliable but their contentions are being proved to be wrong from day to day already with the simplest possible apparatus a remarkable stage of efficiency has been reached and now the aeroplane promises to embark upon a new era of construction wood is being replaced by metal 
and extreme lightness is no longer the insistent demand aeroplanes are being built for general everyday use from the military point of view the aeroplanes at present available have drawbacks there is indeed room for vast improvement greater strength greater reliability greater portability these are the aims that makers have in view and they will without doubt be realized the war office test this summer will teach manufacturers many a useful lesson End of ninth section